Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I'm your host, Mike Broadbent. Joining me once again is my co-host, Richie Schneiderite, and Rutgers beat writer, Craig Epstein. Guys, we are going to preview the basketball, the men's basketball season today. Uh, we have our first game of the season at Cure Arena in Trenton tonight against Princeton at 7 p.m. Uh, big, big season for the Scarlet Knights. This is, uh, I believe it's Steve Peichel's seventh year with the program. We're kind of riding at I wouldn't say an all-time high for the program, but this is definitely the 30 to 40 year peak for Rutgers basketball. Um, and I just kind of want to break it down, you know, what we think the season's going to go like, how changes for the team, give some predictions about records and, and players that are going to break out and be the MVPs. Um, so let's kind of just talk about what you guys think will be the big differences this year uh, for the Scarlet Knights basketball team. Uh, Craig, why don't you talk about what you, what do you think the differences on the defense will be this year? Yeah, would you say defensively or just in general? Defensively, yep. Oh, defensively? I mean, I think, I don't know how much is really going to, I mean, obviously you're losing Caleb McConnell, so you're losing the best the best defensive player in the Big Ten, maybe in the country. I mean, the guy's, the guy's resume speaks for itself. So obviously you're going to take a little bit of a, of a hit there. But um, for the most part defensively, I still think this is still going to be a very defensive, you know, minded squad. I think they're going to be very good. I think, I think Moat Mag kind of slides into that role of kind of the main kind of defensive uh, guy for the team. But as we've seen, like, it's almost like a rite of passage. Now, when you, when you come play for Steve Peichel, you're going to learn how to play defense. And whether it's, whether Absolutely. it's, you know, yeah, whether it's, you're starting with a, and what's the one I'm looking for? Um, a press, whether you're just man to man, whatever it may be, they're going to play defense. Now, I think now that they're, we'll get into a little bit more later, but I think it's going to be, there's going to be more offense in this game. So their defense probably will take a little bit of a hit there because the, like we said, um, you're just playing defensive more if you're shooting more, but I still think Rutgers is going to be a, a very solid defensive team and probably one of the better defensive teams in, in, in the big tent. I agree with that. All right. Good segue. Rich, what do you think the big differences in the offense are going to be this year? Um, speed, speed, <laughs> speed speed um tempo <laughs> tempo is going to be completely different i'm trying to find it right now uh ruckers last year was 263 in tempo i expect that, that like to 350 take, uh, i think it's out of 350 okay. three yeah 350 362 actually um even 362 worse. okay yeah so that was uh that's per ken palm um but yeah now i expect this team to be a lot lot faster you're getting rid of i shouldn't say getting rid of it's not the right terminology but you lost um, two guards in the backcourt that were relatively slow and kind of stopped the pace of play. And um, that was with Paul Mulcahy and Cam Spencer. And you're replacing them with Noah Fernandes, uh, Jermichael Davis, Derek Simpson, Gavin Griffiths even. And it's just all these guys are just speedy guys. They're speedy, smaller guards. And it's the first time we've actually seen Pykel with these tiny, tinier guards. Um, we've seen multiple Big Ten teams go with these tinier guards, and they've, they've cooked Rutgers at times. Michigan's done it. Michigan State's done it. Um, we've seen some of these guys even get drafted. Um, 
And it's just, it's been, it's been a pain in the neck to see, but now they're going to switch it up. It's not like a tall, like six foot four geo running point or six foot seven Paul running point. It's going to be Noah Fernandes for the most part running point with Derek Simpson there. And it's just going to be a lot faster pace of play. And it's going to be more exciting to watch. I know everyone, everyone likes defense. Everyone loves defense. I shouldn't say everyone. I guess everyone loves Peichel and Peichel loves defense. So by default, you have to like defense, but it's just not fun to watch. I'll be honest yeah. with you. And then this is going to be more exciting and more fun to watch for the fans. And I think they're going to be very excited this season. Yeah, I think the final big change that I see, because I think you guys are both right, I think we'll take a, a slight step back defensively because we don't have the mm-hmm. same talent. We have Mwatbag coming off injury. I still think Cliff's probably arguably the best defensive big man in the country, certainly mm-hmm. the best defensive big man in the Big Ten. So I don't think we'll fall off the table completely defensively, but I don't think it'll be quite as good as last year. Totally agree that the speed, tempo, and outside shooting is going to be a lot different. I think we're going to take yeah, a lot more threes. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I think we're going to try and <clears> – <throat> I think Pike was saying that uh, they were using a 12-second shot clock when they were running offensive sets because they want to get shots off quick. And mm. like Craig mentioned, our defensive metrics probably are going to take a step back there as well. I don't think there's going to be many games we play under the speed limit uh, this year, under 65 points allowed, because we're going to allow more uh, oppor- uh, offensive opportunities for opponents because we're playing at a higher tempo. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest change for me from – this year to last year is going to be the rotation. I think we're going to use a lot more guys this year than we have in the past. I think we could see a a rotation of 10 to 11 to 12 guys at given points in the season. I think last year we saw it when the lot went down, there was really only seven, maybe eight guys that could play or maybe not could play, but that the staff trusted to play on the roster last year. I think that number is significantly larger this year. They had, you know, how many guys did they add this offseason? Six, I want to say. Two, three, four, five. So you count Palmquist? No, I'll, you know, he did enter the portal and ended up at Elon for a second and came back. So I'm not going to say he's an so addition. Six. We'll just keep it as uh, six. So let's just kind of run through those guys real quick. Um, the, the six additions are uh, freshman Jamichael Davis, who has, by all accounts, had a really you know, impressive offseason. Um, mm. A lot of people saw him as, you know, Ace Bailey's friend. And I think from everything we've heard and everything we've seen, that is very much not the case. He might be one of our better offensive players by the end of the year. What is it that you guys saw out of Jamichael Davis that really impressed you when you went to practices this offseason? I thought the interesting thing about him was just that he just fit this program like a glove. I mean, it's just like, and you notice this with a bunch of Steve Michael players where he comes in, he can tell he plays solid defense. He's on you. I'm Richie. We're talking about he play. He's just on you like a gnat. Like he's just, you can't get rid of the guy and you yeah. watch him on the offensive end. And it's like, he's not great. You can tell there's, there's, there's room for improvement there, but you can tell there's something there. And once he's able to unlock that and play a complete two way game, he's going to be a really good player. Yeah. I, I think you hit the nail on the head here. Um, I've been comparing him to Jacob Young on the defensive end, at least because he's, he's that tenacious on defense. His chest is over the ball at times. And it, it just, as an opposing player, it's just going to piss you off to be honest. Yeah. He's just, and he's quick. He shuffles his feet. Well, he moves sideline to sideline, to sideline baseline to baseline really well. Um, I know he was the leading scorer against uh, St. John's. I'm not going to expect most of that this season from him because his offensive game, like Craig just said, it needs some work. His jumpers, eh, it's okay. 
but he he's really good at driving to the rim and he's not afraid of contact and that's that's probably the one of the biggest assets for his offensive game the next addition to this team from last year uh, is Noah Fernandes. He's a transfer from UMass. Uh, he played Rutgers a couple years ago and hit a dagger uh, <laughs> shot at the buzzer to beat yeah. Rutgers um, on the road. Uh, he's got one year of eligibility left. He didn't start in the exhibition versus St. John's. Rich, mm-hmm. do you think that's going to be the, the regular rotation or is he probably a penciled in starter? I think he's penciled in starter. I think these exhibitions, these overseas trips, Pykele's just sitting here like, these don't count. Watch this. I'm going to try to see if this works. Oh, that works? Oh, that doesn't work. But, uh, yeah, I think he's penciled in 100% as a starter, and I think he's going to run the point too. Um, he's one of those shorter, tinier, shiftier guards that I was talking about before, and he he can kind of do a little of everything. Um, he is coming off injury, so he's still kind of, I guess, shaking off the rust a little bit from going from not playing, what, did he play 11 games last year? Um, to now probably playing a full season. So it's it's going to be tough to shake off that rust. But once he gets in the groove of things, he's had games where he's made like three, four, five three-pointers. And he's a great shooter. And he's, he's a good facilitator too. It's, it's Everyone says he's a great shooter because they look at the numbers. But that UMass team really didn't have anyone else. It was him and that's yeah. it. Yeah, he so. was very ball dominant in the games I saw from UMass. But it's kind of because he was playing <laughs> undermanned uh, for a lot of the time at UMass. Um, Next new player, everybody should know pretty well. He is currently, I believe, the highest-rated player that Rutgers has ever landed in the Rivals era, Gavin Griffiths. He's a 6'8 give guard. He's a true freshman from Connecticut. What did you say? So give it a couple days. And give it a couple days, won't, yeah. Won't be We're talking enough. officially. Yeah. Um, <laughs> by the time you uh, hear this, maybe, it'll be changed because the early signing period opens November 8th, which is uh, next Wednesday, I believe. Um, by that time, I imagine Ace Bailey will have changed that in a big way. Yeah. Um, but what what uh, what impressed you about Gavin when you saw him uh, in practice, Greg? Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's I, it's un, I feel like it's unfair to expect him to come in and fill in that Cam Spencer role of like leading scorer and dependable guy for a freshman. But he's just a, he's just such a good shooter. I mean, I feel like every year we're kind of. Every year we feel like there's, some, there's a, a guy or two where we where we kind of talk up their shooting and sometimes they hit, sometimes they don't. But this guy is just just a natural born scorer. And if you were, I know, and like I said, if it's tough to expect so much out of a freshman, but if you tell me like he's going to end up being the leading scorer for this team, I wouldn't be surprised because he's just, like I said, he's just he can just spot up and shoot anywhere. Rich, does that kind of jive with what you've seen and heard? Yeah, I, I would say I've I've been pretty adamant. I think he's going to lead the team in scoring. I know I kind of cheated a little bit, and we're going to talk about that later. But um, yeah, no, I think I think he can shoot from anywhere. He can hit from anywhere. He's he was hitting like near half court shots at one point, like Jimmer for depth range during Jeez. practice and warm ups and stuff. And it's just it's crazy to watch him because his form's so perfect. Um, defensively, I think that's his big issue. I, I don't think he's quick at all on the defensive end, and. I know he wants to be a guard or wants to say he's a guard, but it's you're going to have trouble guarding guards at this level. Um, so you, you do substitute a little offense for defense, but his offensive output is going to heavily outweigh the defensive deficiency. So it's like it's worth it, but he does need to work on that that end of the ball. But I think if anyone can help him there, it's it's going to be Steve Peichel and crew. Yeah, and Gavin has said himself like that was one of the big draws of coming to play for Steve Peichel because he knew he was a very good offensive player, but he wanted to be a better mm-hmm. defender. And, uh, I mean, we've talked about this time and time again. Defense is a lot about mentality and how much you want it. 
and he's saying he wants it. Let's see if he actually goes out there and, and uh, makes the steps to become a better defender. Yeah. Um, really excited to see him play. Let's talk about Emmanuel Ogbol, though. He's the next guy on the list here. He is a 6'10 center. He's originally from Nigeria, but he previously played at Monroe College. He's a sophomore. Tours ACL in March. How much should we expect from him this year, Rich? Um, not much at all. The beginning, at the beginning of the season, at least, he could come back midway through, or not even midway through. He could come back in a month. He could come back in a couple weeks. But it seems like right now they're they're just working him back very slowly. They don't want to rush anything because you do have other big men. Obviously, Cliff, who's going to dominate minutes, and Antoine Wolfolk, who's who's actually been a pretty big surprise so far for this team. Um, but yeah, he's. I, I don't see him doing a whole lot of a whole lot of anything honestly this year. Um, I think he'll maybe take a backup role. Uh, he'll he'll sub in here and there, but it's not going to be much in my opinion. I'll say this though: if Rutgers ever gets into like those scuffles before during games, that's the guy they're <laughs> sending out in the front and first to go because that dude is just an imposing figure. He looks like, like I said, he just looks like the Incredible Hulk. Yeah, they list him at 6'10", 260, um, mm-hmm. and he he looks like a you know Adonis <laughs> out there. He is cut up, and I don't think people understand how hard it is for guys who are that big and that rangy. Like when you have arms that long, it takes so much more time to put muscle on, and he, it's clear he just lives in the weight room. Same thing as Cliff. Like both those guys, you could just tell that they just work out all the time. And, you know, some guys in the NBA even that are just as rangy, like you think of Kevin Durant, he's a string bean, but it works for him, but he's got barely any muscle on him. Um, and some guys are just total, you know, it, like Giannis, for example, you could tell that dude works out nonstop, like all yeah. the time. But anyway, yeah, just freaks uh, next up on the list, we got all, yeah, freaks of nature. We got Austin <laughs> Williams. He's a grad transfer who spent time at Marist College. He spent time at Hartford, spent time at FIU. He is spending, I believe, his seventh year of eligibility at Rutgers. Um, He has one year left to play. Well, what did you guys see out of him? What what should we expect out of Austin Williams this year? Is he going to be a guy who is like a rotation player for us? Yeah, I'm thinking yeah, probably more of a rotational type of depth piece. I think he does add. I, I mean, I think he's just, he's a solid player. He'll he'll get he'll 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 help out with some points and and obviously with defense because like Pykel, like we said, Pykel just find, he is, he gets a magnifying glass and he just finds everybody who can play defense. So I think he'll be a solid role player who will come in and get some minutes here and there. I wouldn't expect, like I said, I wouldn't expect I don't expect him to be the best player on the team, but I also don't expect him to be the worst. Just just a solid player. See, I think I think he's a little. He could be better than a solid player. Now he's another guy coming off an injury, missed an entire season. He averaged 19 points the year before that, and I, I think it was Hartford. Uh, and it's the NEC, which is don't get me wrong. There's a, there's definitely a gap between that and the Big Ten. But sure. we've seen. Um, I can't even think of his name now. Who was the Stony Brook transfer? Uh, Quasi Yaboa. Oh yeah, Quasi Yaboa, and I believe that is the, the same conference, correct? I think so, yeah. The NEC. And he, he lit it up at Rutgers. Mind you, different players, different, more of a shooter compared to Austin Williams. But Austin Williams can drive to the rim. He, he can get buckets for you when you need them. And he can kind of fill that defensive role that you, you kind of are lacking a little bit at that guard slash wing spot. He's 6'4". Uh, I think he's listed 6'4", 6'4", something, right? Yeah, 6'4", 205. Yeah, so and he's and he's lengthy. He's got that night that really long wings, wingspan, and I I think he can actually fill in at either the like I said the three on defensive possessions or even the two at times, and I think that's where he's going to help him most. 
another guy who came here who was injured previously. He's 100% good to go, though. Uh, yeah, he's good to go. Perfect. Uh, the next guy might not be good to go this year. He's the last newcomer of the group. It is 6'4", guard Jeremiah Williams. He started off his, his high school or his college career at Temple, transferred to Iowa State last year. He tore his Achilles, mm-hmm. didn't play at all, and he ended up at Rutgers. From everything I heard, this was like one of the best players, if not the best player on the team in a lot of different environments this offseason, whether it be scrimmages or you know practices uh, different media members were at. Mm-hmm. How would he start if he was eligible this year? I think without a doubt, personally, yep. he's he's a great three and D player. Um, not only like the three pointers, but like he can also like do anything on offense. He's, he's a good facilitator. He's a good point guard. He's lengthy. He's not he's not tall. I think he's like six one something like that. But he's just he's the one that's running up and down the court and outrunning everybody. Like and I, you could tell why Pico likes him because he's just like a defensive stalwart. Um, I, that was such a weird way to use that word, but whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, he just, he's been phenomenal all in every practice I've seen so far. Um, I, I, they do have a waiver in for him and they're still waiting to hear back on that. They're actually waiting on some things from uh, his previous schools because he did go to temple and I forget where else he went. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it sounds very, very unlikely. There's like a slight bit of optimism and there's like a little more optimism this week than there was like a week ago or a month ago when he committed but there's still like I want to say like a ninety percent chance he's probably not going to get the waiver. But I think next year when you have a bunch of scorers all throughout that lineup between a say a Griffiths, a Bailey, um, I don't know a Dylan Harper, you slide him right in there next to Harper and he's going to fit to a T. And it's just oh that lineup next year is scary. But I don't want to talk too much. Scary hours. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, when they, they're healthy, it worked. I want to hear it. I do. <laughs> I do have a hard time not uh, looking ahead to next year because this this is a team oh. I really like, actually. like I think we're getting slept on by a lot of national mm-hmm. people. Ken Palm has us ranked 12th in the, Big Ten, in the Big Ten at 59th overall right now. The media poll that came out at Big Ten Media Day, Rutgers was uh, voted its 10th to finish in the league. Yeah. I think they're going to really outperform that. I think it's more likely they finish top five than 10 or worse this year. Because I don't think people ex- really know what to expect with this totally revamped Steve Peichel lineup. I think it'll be kind of like Steve Peichel unchained a bit. Because in the past, he's been so loyal to his guys, through better, through worse. He's kind of just gone with them. And all those guys have been here for three, four, five years. And he was very slow to change. Like last year when you saw Derek Simpson come in, instant spark plug when he was leading the offense it looked totally different i think we see a lot of that style of play this year where everything is much quicker we i know we talked about it but Mm -hmm. i kind of want to just get your guys thoughts on how they 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 do this season with the schedule they have so let's let's talk about the out of conference first i'll just run through some games i'll go slow so you guys can kind of process it actually i'll share my screen so we can uh, see uh so we have a visual aid for those watching on youtube um, it's definitely a better out of conference schedule than we've had in a while. Probably the best out of conference schedule Pykele has ever had at Rutgers. Um, I think everybody's happy that he reinstituted the rivalry with Princeton. I think that's a game that just needs to happen every year. It's it's you know everybody in the state, believe it or not, for the people who are younger. I mean, I wasn't around when Princeton was the main rival of Rutgers, but 
it's not that far in the past that Princeton was Rutgers basketball's biggest rival. It wasn't Seton Hall. It was Princeton. Um, so they're back on the schedule. The second out-of-conference game of the year is against Boston University. Again, not a heavy hitter. Then um, they have Bryant and Georgetown, Howard, St. Peter's. They got Wake Forest. They got Seton Hall. They got Long Island University. They got Mississippi State, and they got Stonehill. So my math is uh, failing me here. Is that nine, or is that 10 out-of-conference games? Or is that 11? 11. All right, so they got 11 out-of-conference games. You see it here on the screen. Every oh, Sorry. Everything outside of the Illinois game is an out-of-conference game. Mm-hmm. How do you guys see the out-of-conference schedule going for Rutgers? Let's get your prediction. Craig, you go first. Yeah. To be honest, I, I'm looking at the looking at it. I think they're all winnable. I, I mean, it's hard to yeah. expect. I mean, it's hard to. Ex- I mean, yeah, it's hard to expect Rutgers to maybe go 11 and 0. But I mean, like I just look like I said, just looking at it right now, I think they're all like you told. Okay, if you tell me they'd lose to at Wake Forest, okay, I wouldn't be that surprised. Mississippi State could be a tough game. It's a new. It's going to be at the neutral venue. I mean, I don't think there's going to be a lot of Mississippi State fans at the Prudential Center. But again, no, it's, it's going to be 10. Yeah, so if you so if you're telling me those are the two losses, okay, I could buy that. So nine and anywhere between nine and two and eleven and zero, I think that's I think that's on the table. Yeah, I, I would say nine and two is probably pretty accurate. Um, Mississippi State before they lost Tolu Tolu Smith is that his name? Um, I think he was a preseason All SEC guy. Before they lost him, I would have said probably Mississippi State's like a guaranteed loss, not guaranteed, but you, you know what I mean. Um, but now I'm kind of starting to go back on that because he he was a great player for them. So losing him hurts. I think they sweep the I think for one, two, three, four, five, the first six like easily. Yeah. I think Princeton's probably the toughest one out of that group, and they're not that good this year. Although um, I was Wake just Forest at, at Wake Forest, at Seton Hall, and at Wake Forest are the two that really scare me the most. Um, and then Mississippi State neutral site. You should have a good crowd there though, so it really isn't like super scary. And like I just said, they lost one of their best players, so. I'd say Wake Forest is probably a loss, and then it's Seton Hall or Mississippi State, and I'm I'm not going to give them both. I'd give them one. So I'd, I'd probably say nine and two. Yeah, I hate that you guys are going nine and two because that's what I was thinking too. Um, <laughs> yeah, look at that. We're great minds think alike. Listen, we're, I we don't get these jobs at chimps, you know. <laughs> I'm going to go ten and one. I'm going to be the homer here. I think they they can't that, that not that they can't, but that weak stretch from. Playing Illinois in the Big Ten opener, then going mm-hmm. on the road to Wake Forest and Seton Hall in the span of seven days. That's going to be a brutal week. Because if you look at the lead up, you know, between St. Peter's and Illinois, you have like, what, a five day break. And then mm-hmm. from Seton Hall to Long Island, you have a week break. Like, that's a really, really, really uh, tough schedule in that part of the year when you're still yeah. trying to figure out rotations, when you still have guys coming back off injury. I think they, they have one of those road games they lose. I'm going to say they lose at Wake Forest, but they beat Seton Hall because uh, I don't think Seton Hall is very good this year. So I'm going to go 10-1. I think the lone loss being at Wake Forest. Or I could see them losing to Mississippi State too, depending on when mm-hmm. their their star big man comes back, like Richie was saying. If he's not out, though, which is what I'm expecting because I think he's going to be out for a couple months, mm-hmm. uh, I, I expect Rutgers to win that game. But they're, they're currently ranked uh, in Ken Palm 27th. Um, Mississippi State, so that's that's no joke. Yeah. The team, 
Yeah, I was um, reading something that they got knocked out of the AP 25 for preseason for the sole fact that they're not expecting this guy to be back for a little bit because he's foot injury. So this kid, this kid's pretty good. Like, yeah, that makes sense. Talking about. Um, let's go through the Big Ten schedule now. Obviously, we, we highlighted we open with Illinois at home. Rutgers has played Illinois really tough at home. I don't. I always think found that so weird. How Illinois they played Rutgers. At- I was gonna say they play the Big Ten game. They play like one Big Ten game. They go right back to out of conference. I don't know why. I just found. I always find that so. They do weird. that every year. I know. Yeah. It's just a way to kind of warm up the schedule. Um, I yeah. think we've played Illinois a, a handful of times early in the season too. Uh, I know when AO was still uh, there. I think we had like one of the the highest scoring games in in Steve Peichel's tenure. I think there was like remember that game it was like ninety one eighty seven. Um, Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. With that was probably in 2021, but I guess. They're a weird team this year, too, because, like, obviously Terrence Shannon's great. Mm-hmm. Coleman Hawkins we know about because he was, like, this close to the owner Rutgers. Um, but they flip-flopped their entire roster. they got three grad transfers that are probably all going to start for them, too. So it's – I don't really know what to think of them. Yeah, I don't either. Any team that has such a heavy infusion of grad transfers is always so, like, well, I guess we'll see when it when it happens. You don't really yeah. know. Um weird. Just looking at the schedule, it seems like just looking at the screen, we have a pretty away loaded beginning to the season. Obviously, we start with Illinois, yeah. but from January till the the middle of February, we play uh, eight of our uh, what? six home, and then yeah, eight of fourteen games are at, on the road. Wow. Then we finish up with uh, three of five at home. Just looking at the schedule, that's going to be a tough opener between Gauntlet. Illinois to start, playing on the road at Ohio State, on the road at Iowa, home Indiana, on the road against arguably the you know the two top five teams in, in the Big Ten this year. One's Michigan mm-hmm. State, one's Purdue. We got to play both the top five teams on the road. Um, we got to play Purdue twice. Obviously, we've played Purdue well in the past. We've beaten them as the number one team in the nation two years in a row. Um, mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that's going to happen again this year. Um, Indiana's probably going to have a down year. Nebraska's pesky, but I wouldn't say they're a good team. Penn State's going to have a down year, I think. Maryland, I think, is kind of a sneaky good team. Like that could be a team that's ranked, you know, by the time January rolls around. Um, Michigan's a team that doesn't really scare me. Northwestern somehow still has Boo Booey uh, for his like 20, 27th year of eligibility. Yeah. Minnesota is <laughs> a dumpster fire. I say all that to just kind of prime that there's, I think there's a better upper crust of the big 10 this year, but I feel like it's not as deep as it formally is. What do you, what do you guys think of the big 10 overall this year? It, yeah, I would agree weird. with that. Like I know. Yeah. Okay. No, I was just saying, I think it's very, like you said, top heavy. Once you get to that middle to lower, lower part of the big 10, then you're kind of, you kind of grassy kind of going for straws there. I, I I would agree with that assessment, Mike. Yeah, the the top three, like top two, top three, like Illinois, um, Michigan State, and Purdue are all pretty good. It's just Illinois, like I said before, actually, I don't, I don't even know if I'll consider them in the top three because it's that the transfers could be great, they could be shit. Yeah. And Maryland, like Maryland, got some like they have Jameer Young, who's probably one of the best guards in the league. I, I think I we just did our poll yesterday. I voted him one of the top. Uh, top five players in the league or conference, whatever you want to call it. And they have some physical forwards. And on top of that, they, they have Sean Harris Smith. So I got to see him in person last year and he's a stud, but they still have Kevin Willard. 
that guy yeah. isn't a good coach. He's a great recruiter. He can't <laughs> coach for shit. So I, it's just like it's a weird situation there. And like, is Mike Woodson finally going to turn it around? Is Mabaku, their top rated player, even going to play? Because he's getting in trouble doing stupid shit at Taco Bell in the middle of the night? <laughs> I don't know. Um, Wisconsin returns a lot of people, but they're a weird team too. Like they have nights where they'll go off for points and nights where they'll just not put up anything. Um, just I'm just going up and down. Like this, the middle pack of that, after one and two, it's kind of like a free-for-all. It kind of is, yeah. Um, so now that we've kind of done a high-level overlook of the schedule, Craig, what do you see Rutgers finishing in in the Big Ten this year? Give your conference record prediction. It's tough. I do think it's always like I always think that magic number of ten gets you in, but who? It's just who knows because like we're talking about, it's so unpredictable yeah. with the with how the Big Ten is this year. So I would think at, like at least ten, but. You, I'm looking at this beginning of the schedule, and you can look at it like one of two ways where, it, yeah, it's really tough, but it's also a lot of opportunity there because we've seen in years past where teams start off like high up, but they don't always end there. So you can really beef up this yeah. resume early on, and that will serve you, ho- hopefully would serve you really well down the line. But um, just think, looking at this, I'd have to do more of a look. I do think, I, I do think somewhere in that probably 10 to tw- probably 10 to 12 range, just, uh, it's just like I said, it's just so unfair. to the fire, Craig. You got to give a prediction yeah. here. I'll I'll say twelve. I'll go. I'll go give high me. end. I do think they're one of the better. I think they're You're a better. Go they're better. Twelve and eight. Okay, a, twelve and eight. All of a year. That'd be that would match the best record they've had in the Big Ten. Uh, huge year. All right, Rich. What do you think? I, I'm gonna go ten. I'm gonna be a little. 10, I wanted 10. to go eleven, but then he went twelve. So I just I didn't want to go too close. <laughs> <laughs> um and, and I saw your reaction too and I was like, oh shit, maybe maybe I gotta rethink some <laughs> rethink some things. But uh no, uh it's it's weird because like the away games, like Rutgers is just notably bad on the road yep. for the most part under Pykel. Um and it's not some easy it's not easy arenas either. Like Iowa on the road's one of the toughest. Uh Maryland, if they're ranked, it's tough. If they're not, no one shows up, so there's that one. I think that um, narrative has started to kind of fade away. If you look at last season, they had a, quite a few road wins that were very impressive. I think they did better. Yeah. Right? So they had, they should have won at Ohio State. Remember the stepped out of bounds three pointer? Mm-hmm. You know, we can complain about that. Loss. They won at Purdue. Purdue <clears throat> yeah. They won at Northwestern, who was a tournament team last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and those two are ugly. Mm-hmm. Won at Wisconsin late in the year. Wisconsin ended up having, you know, they they ended up coming on pretty strong late in the year, if you remember. They, I think they ended up winning yeah. the NIT. They're a weird um, team. They are a weird team. They're going to be better this year as well. We went at that, Penn State. That, that was the big comeback game. Yeah, the next one, yikes. Yeah, that <laughs> was that. This game right here is what cost us the tournament last year. Yeah, and we were up nine with like yeah, less than a minute so left. Right. They, like they did better, but I still feel like there's some struggles, especially with the bigger arenas, like. Like uh, Hawkeye Carver's a tough one. Um, yeah. I mean, every, almost State. every arena in the Big Ten is tough to play at. That's there's true. Very few, I, Minnesota seems pretty easy. There's <laughs> very few Minnesotas, yeah. And even even a place like Penn State is kind of a total – it's 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 an arena. It's like a 16,000-person yeah. arena. But, you know, when they're good, it's a good environment. When they're not, it's not. So <laughs> Yeah. So, so You know what? No, I'm going to switch it. I'm going to go 11 then. I'm a little more confident now. You, okay. you convinced me. I 
I'm also going to go 11. I got 11 and 9. I think this is a schedule where I'd feel better about it if we didn't play at the top three teams in the in the uh, in the standings at different points. Play at Michigan State on January 14th. We play at Illinois January 21st. We play at Purdue February 22nd. As as well as we've played Purdue over the years, I just don't see a scenario where we sweep them in any year. I think that's asking too much. Um, inevitably, there's going to be times in the course of a season too where you know you have a three game stretch of three in a row you lose. It's just every team deals with it basically outside of the the really top teams in the country. Um, so I got eleven and nine. That puts my record prediction at twenty one and ten. That puts Craig's record prediction at twenty one and ten. And Rich, you're the the low man here at twenty and eleven. Okay. So based on good these year. records, those year. are those are all all three of us are basically saying this is a tournament team. Would you guys agree with that? I think yeah. so. Yeah, I think so. 100%. I think I think it's on the good side of the bubble in terms of a tournament team this year. Um, and I say that because we've we found out last year the hard way <laughs> that there's not really any firm rules as to who qualifies for the NCAA tournament when you're on the bubble. Uh, I do think Rutgers is probably like a, you know, a nine, a 10, 10, nine or a 10 seed, which hopefully you're not in a play in, but that's kind of where I see things. Yeah. Um, that's, that's accurate. Let's go to a couple topics here. Um, breakout player. Let's try and choose different guys. If, if we don't, that's fine. But Craig, who is your prediction for the biggest breakout player for Rutgers basketball this season? I've honestly been thinking this for a while now, to be honest. I think Derek Simpson is primed for, I think this offense is up-tempo style offense is tailor-made for him. Because we saw the end really of last year with even the Hofstra, the Hofstra game. And towards the end when it started to be more of a, like I said, up-tempo, quicker offense, he, he really started to show why we were so high on him. And I think now, which is another year in this system, more experience. I mean, they've talked about him like he's a sophomore, but he feels like like a like a like a veteran for this team. He's just he's just that type of guy. I just think he I think he's I don't think he's going to start the season as a starter. I think that's going to be Fernandes. But over time, if you told me that by the end of the season, Derek Simpson is the starting point guard for this team, I would not be surprised at all. And I won't I wouldn't even be stunned now with assuming kind of assuming mag isn't going to start opening night and it might take him a little bit of time to really get back into the groove of things. I could see Derek. I could see Derek in the starting role. We, like you said, like we talked about the St. John's game where they kind of just mess around things like that. But I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, Derek Simpson was in the starting, uh, was a starter in that game. So I could, I could see maybe early on him being a starter for this team. And if not, I could easily see him being that spark plug off the bench, but I do. I think he is primed for, a really, really good season. All right, Rich, who you got as your breakout player of the season? Uh, just, just to clarify, I, I think both start for what it's worth. Yeah, that's at the guard spots. He's that's just gonna, a, just a very, court. yeah, he's a very flexible type of guy. Yeah, you can't really keep him off the court. Um, yeah. The simple answer, and I'm probably going to go with this one, is Andre Hyatt. The man's just okay. been lights out. He's been shooting incredibly in practice incredible uh, incredible in practice incredible overseas in those games he led the team scoring multiple games i don't know what he did who he worked with i don't know if it was chris brickley 
and he was just training with the NBA's best trainer offseason. But this man is lighting it up from an offensive standpoint. Now, you didn't see as much of it in the uh, the St. John's game, but I, I think the potential is still there. And I, I really think he's going to be one of, the, one of <clears throat> if not the top scorer in multiple games this season. I think he's going to really stand out this year, and you're really going to see that four-star potential that most people saw in high school. That's a good one. I really like that. I was stuck between two and neither of them were the guys you mentioned. So uh, I'll just say the two I was thinking of. The one that I'm not going to choose uh, is Gavin Griffiths. I think he's going to just be a really big time performer for Rutgers in the offensive end. I'm going to go with Jamichael Davis. I say that because I don't think the league is really prepared. Anytime there's any freshman that comes in, you don't really know what to expect because you can watch him on, you know, these AU circuits. You can watch him play high school ball, but it's really until rubber meets the road when you're playing these games in front of ten thousand people. There's certain guys who just rise to that occasion. There's certain guys who don't. From everything I understand, Michael Davis is a dog, and I can't wait to see him. He's very decisive as a scorer. He's a pesky defender. He's a a guy who's got really good athleticism. I can't wait to see this kid play this year. He's my breakout player. Uh, let's go, let's go with team MVP next. This is the player that you think is the most indispensable to this team this year and is most, uh, most responsible for the success of the team. Um, so rich, uh, I'll have you go first this time. Who do you think is Rutgers basketball's team MVP this season? That's a tough one. I I really think you can kind of just throw it out there and just be like, here you go, Cliff. Like, that's the easy answer. I'm going to go Noah Fernandes. I'm going to switch it up a little bit. I think him in this facilitator slash point guard role where he's not ball dominant the entire time, but could be if they need him to be, I think he's kind of going to be that glue for that entire team. Um, He's a veteran. He's been around the block a couple times. He's played at Wichita State. He's played at UMass now. Um, I think he's in his fifth year, if, I, if I'm correct. And I, I think he's actually going to play a significant role, whether it be scoring a uh, couple a couple dishes here and there. I think he's going to be able to do a little bit of everything. And you kind of saw glimpses of it against St. John's. He even had two steals, too. So yep. I, th- I think he's the he's the glue guy. He's the MVP. All right, Craig, who do you guys your team MVP? Yeah, I, com- I completely agree with that assessment. I was thinking that, too, where Noah Fernandez, at least early on, is probably going to be like the X Factor just because he's going to have the ball in his hands the, the most. But to be honest, Team MVP, I, I think I got to give it to Cliff just because I think the way their offense is going to be, the way they're going to run basically the team now is it kind of lends itself to where when you're hot, you're hot, and when you're not, you're not. But like Cliff, but I think Cliff is just the type of guy, he's just always going to give you a solid outing every time he goes out there. He's just basically a walking double-double. So I just, I really just think Cliff every night is just going to be basically, I mean, every, every opposing coach is going to go in and say like rule number one, two, and three is you got to contain Cliff. Otherwise he'll just, he can just take over the game. So I think I I would give team MVP to Cliff. That's who I was thinking as well, but I'll, I'll give another candidate just for the sake of content. I'm going to say what mag. So I think Mag was on an ascension last year where he was elevating his game to something that he hadn't been able to do the first few years he was here, which was he really started to come on as a an offensive player, especially in the mid-range. He was just knocking down shots left and right. Sometimes he was the only player seemingly that had it going on offense uh, in certain games. He obviously had that big <clears throat> three-pointer to, to ice the game against Ohio State. Um, 
I think he comes back healthy midway through the out-of-conference schedule and immediately becomes that guy that we all were hoping he'd be. I don't think he misses a beat at all. Um, obviously, Rich, you can attest to this. Coming back from an ACL, you're going to feel weird. It's going to be painful. You're not going to feel comfortable on it really until you get knocked around a little bit. But I think once yeah. he gets knocked around a little bit, he's going to be the guy that we all were hoping he would elevate himself into being this year. Yeah, that, let's hope he doesn't do what I did because I came back and it was like two months later and I'm like, oh, I feel great, start jumping again, and there goes the other one. I'm like, oh, oh cool. Uh, you, know what, you know what, Richie? You know what your problem was? You did yeah, not listen my to other Dolphins fornicating. On my That's, that was the problem. If you did that, you would have been oh, back probably God. In, even oh, quicker. God, stop. Stop. <laughs> We're not Aaron Rodgers talk right now. <laughs> yeah, you need to, to listen to – Sounds of uh, for clarity, yeah, yeah, <laughs> sounds of nature, um, sounds of love in dolphins, um, yeah, go in a, a dark tank and just sit there, like, no, a sensory deprivation <laughs> chamber, yeah, yeah, no, I'm good, you know, I'm uh, I'm okay, but uh, yeah, it's it's definitely gonna be he's gonna have to shake that rust off, it's not easy. Once you get back, though, you're you're fine, like, I yep. can I can almost touch him again, <laughs> yeah, I, I think Waddle, uh. We'll have you beat there a little bit, Rich, but yeah, that's to be expected. To get. <laughs> um, so we've covered a lot here, guys. We hope this gives you all that you need uh, in preparation for this season. There's some guys we didn't really hit on, um, you know, like a guy like Antonio Chole, I think will make impact an impact this year at different points. We obviously know we're getting an Oscar Palmquist and guys like uh, Antoine Wolfolk, I think is taking a big step forward this year. So that's why I'm so high on this team is because there's so many guys who I feel like are ascending that are going to make an impact this year. It's just going to be, you know, who does it at what time. So very excited for this basketball season to kick off. Uh, I, I never would have thought I'd be a basketball first guy until uh, Steve Michael showed up on campus. Um, now, I'd love the football Should season too, like... don't get me wrong, but I don't know. I think there's just something about too, like in basketball season, there's not there's like so little to do halfway through the basketball season, you know, mm -hmm. when the NFL, you know, closes its doors for the year, you got like two or three games a night or two or three games a week, you know, it's dark yeah. all the time. The only thing really that's uh, keeping, keeping you things alive. bright. <laughs> yeah. Keeping things bright is the, the, the glow of the TV watching basketball games, uh, starting at like seven o'clock. Wow. Basketball. Yeah. But anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening. Thanks to everybody who has rated and reviewed. Um, it really helps us find more Rutgers fans. If you know any fans who haven't listened to the show before, send them your, send them our way. We'd love to keep growing this audience. Uh, follow us on YouTube, your favorite podcasting app. Rich, was there something you wanted to say there? You were doing the, uh, the no, pen, no, the no. Politician it's just like, there. I mean, hey, 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 hey. You know, you never yeah. know. One day, um, <laughs> no, I thought we were going to give score predictions, but I mean, hey, we don't have to do that. Yeah, let's uh, let's do that. Let's let's give our predictions for tonight. Uh, Rutgers, Princeton. Rutgers is favored. I don't have the line in front of me, but it's it's more than six. How, how do you guys think this game goes tonight? Uh, I just think, honestly, I think just think Rutgers is the better team. I mean, it's just, that's, I mean, it's simple, but they got the size. I think they're, I mean, the, like, we, like we've talked about, the only way I think Princeton stays in this game is if they shoot the lights out of the ball, which, I mean, they've shown in the past that, you know, they're, they can be a tough team. I mean, the, so I think they'll, st I think they'll stick around for a bit, but as the game wears on, I just think Rutgers will just prove to be the more physical and just better team. So if you're going to, if you want a final score, I'll say, I don't know, like 
71 60 something like that i still think they'll be a solid i still think they'll they'll get close to that um no that is the speed limit isn't it so i guess they will still uh still hit the speed limit so the speed limit lives on (laughs) in game one all right rich what's your prediction for this game i'm gonna go 78 65 okay i think they dominate and i think they're gonna be up big late and Princeton's just going to get some garbage time points. We're going to see a little bit of a uh, little Zach Hain out there. A little Dan Vesey. You see some of the some walk-ons guys get out there, get some get some buckets against the fellow Jersey dudes. Um, I, I think Rutgers wins this one easily. There, they, there's not a matchup really that scares me with this Princeton lineup. It's not the same team as last year. Yep. They lost Tosin to the NBA. They lost uh, another guy transferred. I actually think he transferred to Northwestern, um, which is like, academic transfer holy shit like mm-hmm. man two degrees from those two holy shit. kids right. smarter yeah. than anyone in the world um <laughs> but uh, they also don't have a big man no one can stop quiff and i don't see really anyone stopping him in out of conference play so uh yeah I, i'm gonna go with that i think uh, Rutgers wins pretty uh, easily yeah i think princeton is severely un- overmatched in this one from a physical standpoint uh we were talking about this off the pod but their plan is to guard him with uh, a s- Stretch four, which is not going to go yeah. well. Um, I think basically their their game plan is going to be do everything to stop Cliff, which will open up shooters on the outside. Everyone. It'll open up, you know, it'll open up shots for other players. But even even if they did decide to just double Cliff anytime he touches the ball, if you got a guy who's six seven and a guy who's six five matching up against him, Cliff's just Cliff could dunk on these guys. You know, as long as he's within the 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 Cliff zone, which is like five feet away mm-hmm. from the basket or, or closer. Um, yeah, I think Rutgers is just faster, stronger, better team. I'm going to say Rutgers 73, Princeton 57. I think this one's not close at all. Um, Damn. Yeah. Um, so, once again, thanks for listening, guys. For me and Richie and Craig, this has been another edition of the Nightmore Podcast. Signing off. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.